You are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 59 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to share their stories. My name is James Bodden, and today's episode features none other than Rachel May. Rachel May is the sales director at A Sales Guy Incorporated. She is literally the salesperson for everybody's favorite sales trainer, Keenan. Rachel is as you can imagine, if Keenan hired her to run his thing for him and with him, <laughs> she's the real deal. Rachel has a really interesting story about how she got started in sales. She had a fantastic career, uh, continually put into situations where she was kind of thrown into situations, took control of those situations, thrived under those kinds of circumstances, and and had a fantastic career, leading teams, training teams, all of those wonderful things. She talks about how her journey led her to working with Keenan. It's a very interesting story and honestly, a fantastic conversation. I had a ton of fun recording this. I'm positive you'll have a ton of fun listening to it. If you can't listen to the entire episode right now, I did have Rachel serve up a quick snack break sales tip for you to listen to. I guess if I had one message for salespeople, you know, it's that deals really are won and lost in discovery. And so that should be where all of your focus is. Forget about the pitch, forget about being a great closer and just get like super nasty <laughs> in discovery, you know? And to do that, you have to understand that there's one question that a client needs to be able to answer at the end of your discovery. And that is, is the decision, like is the pain of change smaller or bigger than the pain I'm feeling today? And so all of your discovery questions and the information that you collect about their current state, their problems, the business impact, the root cause are all designed to help them answer that question, right? How big is the pain of change, whether it's financial, um, time, right? Like whatever emotional, all of yep. that yeah. fear that's there, is it bigger or smaller? Than, than the pain of what I'm feeling today. Your discovery needs to answer that question for them. A fantastic snack break sales tip from Rachel May, episode 59, the Lunch Break Podcast. If you can't listen, you gotta go get back to the phones, get back to the emails or whatever you're getting after. I completely understand. Go take care of business. When you have a chance, come back. Listen to Rachel drop all of this knowledge. If you're sticking with me, let's get this party started. Episode 59 with Rachel May. Hope you enjoy. Here we are, episode 59 of the Lunch Break Podcast, and I'm fired up about my guest today. Uh, Rachel May is here, and Rachel and I, like 99% of all of my guests here on the Lunch Break Podcast, connected on LinkedIn. But, it, you know, one of the things that I love about kind of her content and her voice on LinkedIn it's just she doesn't really pull any punches. It's it's she's got uh, 
lots of experience in the game. Uh, she's done and seen lots of different things and, and is doing some pretty interesting stuff now. And so for all of those reasons, I'm super grateful to have you here. Thanks so much for taking the time, Rachel. Thanks for having me, James. I'm stoked to be here. Fantastic. So with that, let's dive right into this thing. Uh, Rachel, tell us, how did you get started in sales? Yeah, so I think I took a, a sales was maybe a detour for me. Um, I was like 24 years old and I already had two little babies all by myself and I was a leasing agent at an apartment community making about $14 an hour. And so I saw, I literally just saw a job ad for an outside sales manager um, for a merchant services company. And I just saw that the salary was like $65,000. And I remember thinking that that was the most money ever. And um, so I applied for the position and I'd never done outside sales. I did not know what merchant services was. Um, I'd never made a cold call. I had never managed people. Um, but they couldn't get anyone else to take this job. And the sales manager was leaving in like a month to go open a new office. And so the guy's voice was shaking. And one day, like when he offered me the job and basically was like, well, I guess it's yours. <laughs> yes. So I won by default. <laughs> yeah yeah hey that's a win either way yeah yeah so it was it was crazy so like I literally had they um the guy was there for like a month and then he left and so they put me in front of this will date me they literally put me in front of a phone book they told me to start at z because apparently everyone called the a's first <laughs> and they sat me in a corner and they told me to cold call 150 people a day for like the first two weeks and just sit there and try and get you know, small to mid-sized business owners to meet with me. Um, and so that's what I did. I just sat there and like hammered the phones away. Meanwhile, there was like these six reps just kind of sitting there looking at me like this girl is never going to make it. Um, I, had, I had a coworker actually tell me, another sales manager, and he goes, I give you three months, like you're never going to make it. Um, and I called him three months later and I was at the top of the leaderboard and I was like, I just kicked your ass. And then I kicked his ass for the next seven years. Mm, just yeah. like that. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. And, and, you know, I think that's one of the beautiful parts about this whole profession of sales is, is a lot of us do end up in it out of a strict need for commerce. Like yeah. that, that is a job that looks like a lot of money. I'm going to go do that thing. And, and sales is, is also one of the very few professions that offer salaries like that with a situation like what you encountered like nobody would take it <laughs> yeah I mean these reps were like straight commission right so like uh. there was no recruiting resources or anything so mm -hmm. they told me oh no there was career builder I could pull resumes so they said pull resumes bring people in put a mirror up to their face if there's breath on it then hire them <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, and, yeah, you know, so you just had this kind of office of misfit toys. But yeah, I mean, sales is 
it's a, it really is like an equalizer, right? Like it doesn't matter where you came from. If you're willing to do things that are scary and hard and like work your face off, then there's an equal playing field um, for everyone. But I think another piece, James, that's really important about that story is that I went for a job that I wasn't at all qualified for. Precisely. And, and I don't think enough people do that. Like throw your hat in the ring throw out a Hail Mary, um, especially women don't do that. They, they think they have to meet all of the qualifications before they apply. But I have not been qualified, I don't think, for a single job I ever had. I just got in there, got the job, and figured it out. And I think that is, it is so important because, um, you know, one of the co-founders at a company I worked at recently said, you know, the biggest jumps that he made in his career were when he just raised his hand <laughs> of, to do something that he didn't know how to do and then was forced to figure out how to do it. You know, you make these large leaps and, and you're absolutely right. Most, most people don't throw their hat in the ring and, and sure, uh, well, and, and for probably a million different reasons, but, uh, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. That's such an important kind of piece to highlight there because um, how are you even, how are you really going to get anywhere different if you don't do that eventually? Exactly. Exactly. Like that one choice changed my entire life and my kid's entire life. Which means a lot, right? I mean, and, and that, that was another piece that I think, uh, I can completely relate to is, you know, being a young parent and, and, you know, when you, like you said, sales is, is an equalizer. So when you're a young parent and you are in a job where you're making, you know, 12, 14 bucks an hour and it's kind of a shitty job and you're not happy. And, you know, there, there there's a lot of like, um, like you can really beat yourself up. Right. And you can kind of start feeling way less than, um, mm -hmm. and, I think sales is a beautiful thing because it allows it allows folks in that position to kind of step into this new version of themselves, right? Okay, now I can now mm -hmm. I'm this new, you know, I'm no longer James uh the whatever uh <laughs> cashier or or you know whatever you're doing and and now I can be this sales professional and um, you know be given an opportunity to kind of try something new the caveat is that none of that work is fun and none of that work, you know, all of that work is scary. And the first few jobs are probably going to be real crappy, you know, yeah. so not all rainbows. Sometimes you end up sitting in front of a, a phone book making $150 a day. Straight up. Straight up. Yeah. And, and, That's the and, jam. Yeah. And I think that, that, uh, you know, it leads, it leads to really, really quickly, you know, I, what, what, it, what I thought of when you were saying they sat me down, told me to start at Z because that's an innovative strategy. Nobody <laughs> else is doing that. And, uh, you know, they were really ahead of their time. Um, you know, what they were, you know, essentially trying to do is like, let's, let's uh, filter these folks out as quickly as possible. Let's make them do this really tough work to see mm -hmm. 
who, who survives and for better or worse, uh, you know, it makes me laugh now when you see things like nine month ramp periods and things like that. And I realize definitely in certain scenarios, absolutely. Maybe that makes sense, but it does make me chuckle because you know, there, Mm -hmm. there, there are salespeople out there that (laughs) were sat in front of a phone book and told to cold call for two weeks. And if you stuck around, (laughs) you were a ramped up rep and (laughs) you know, that was your 90 day trial period was two weeks of brutal, you know, brutality. Yeah. Listen, I don't advocate for, you know, (laughs) sitting people in a corner and not giving them, you know, the resources that they need. Um, you know, and that's kind of how it used to be, right? It was like survival of the fittest. Um, but I do think that, that people who decide that they're going to be successful, no matter what their company gives them or doesn't give them to help them succeed are ultimately the people that are going to succeed no matter what situation that you put them in. Right. And so, you know, I think that that's the, the missing piece in an ideal world. Yes. Organizations are giving people and and first of all, know what to give people (laughs) in order to help them succeed. Um, and you know, through that, that first experience that I had, I realized that I had like the, the guy left like a month later and handed me the keys and I had all these people staring at me. I still didn't know what merchant services was. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was doing and I had to hire um, people. I had to train them. Uh, I had no resources to train anyone. There was no sales process. There was no nothing. And, um, And so I just started creating all of those things on my own. And I realized that people needed to be developed if I was going to have any chance of of having a successful team under me. And I mean, what do they say? Like, um, uh, necessity is the mother of invention or something, you know, like when you have to do it and there are no resources and you just have to create everything from scratch there's so much value in that. And I learned in that lesson from that very first sales role that I, that if you are working somewhere where everything is broken, that's okay. That's really your opportunity to learn more than you ever will anywhere else. And like you can then, it makes you, it's like a superpower, right? And you have this opportunity um, to learn more, to become better, and to really stand out and shine when you work where some where everything's broken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a fantastic point of view, and 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 one that gets lost, right? Because we are so focused on talking about you know the ideal workplace and and what leadership needs to do and has to do and should do, and we're not really talking about the benefits that can come from being put in those situations because let's face it, the majority of places ain't doing it right. And right. you're probably going to end it. Yeah. And especially, especially in this world of, you know, VC funded startups, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they go from one day not existing as a company to 60 days later, they have 25 salespeople, right? Mm-hmm. So there is no way that anybody's properly enabled there. Right. And there's no way that, uh, you know, anything's being done right. And so, yeah, you're right. It, it, it kind of, um, (laughs) 
it, it, it makes me think of, I recently watched uh, or rewatched that movie, Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio and mm-hmm. um, Christopher Walken. And at the beginning when the father's like talking about the two milk, you know, the two mice, you know, the two <laughs> mice that were dropped in a bucket and one like just churned his legs and climbed until he churned the cream into butter, you know, or, and, yeah. and climbed his way out. Right. Like that's kind of what that help that makes you do, you know, you, yep. you and then you inherently develop all these marketable skills along the way. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. now I have experience doing this, 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 and this because I had to do all of that stuff. And some of it worked and some of it didn't. So I know what not to do the next time. It's this amazing exactly. evolution. It's, it's a, and, and that's the other thing about the sales world that's amazing is that, you know, you're just constantly pursuing your, your PhD in sales and mm-hmm. um, you're just getting this education all the time. And, you know, again, out of that one experience, um, what I learned was, you know, I ended up having like the highest retention rate of reps in the company, which by the way, was still abysmal. I mean, we burned through them like nothing I've ever seen. It was straight commission, right? So people, you know, starved to death for a very long time. Um, But I had a high retention rate. And when I looked at that, number one, I figured out, okay, well, people are literally continuing to come work here, even when they aren't making any money. Why? You know, and why is that? They're not like this dude hasn't gotten a paycheck in three weeks. Why is he still showing up? And um, and that's where I learned like the value of the culture that you're creating. People were coming back every day because they were learning and they were getting better. And I learned that experience. Wow, I'm a great teacher. And I had to create all the, the process, the sales process and the content and all of those things. And so lo and behold, you flash back a few years later and I'm a sales trainer, right? Because I learned through that, that this is what people, this is what people will come to work for even when they're not getting a paycheck. If they feel like they're learning, if they feel like they're being developed, if they feel like you give a shit, they will keep coming back and they will bleed for you. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, again, it's just like these, every opportunity in sales it, it helps you to discover like where your greatness is and, um, and it kind of just propels you in all sorts of crazy directions. If you're willing to, you know, fumble around through the journey. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think one of the interesting things about your journey is that you, it, it truly was just an evolution through doing the work and, and finding out, wow. Okay. So, you know, I kind of have a knack for this. And then, you know, it's interesting. I can't remember. It's one of the online guru people like Gary Vee <laughs> or Dave Meltzer. Um, but one of those guys said, you know, you, you have a shift when you start looking at things um, in a way that's like, I get to do things instead of I have to do things. And um, that mindset shift really kind of helps you find your passion, right? You, you were able to realize that, wow, okay, so like this, this particular aspect of this profession as a whole is, is, is where I get the most kind of energy from. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and it's obviously what you're doing now today. So talk to us about that side, like what, what that journey has been like, um, 
through obviously being a salesperson leading sales teams and then transitioning over into sales training and kind of what you're up to now? Well, I went to, um, so yeah, so I, I went from that sales manager role. I, then I went into like an eight back into an AE role, which I hated. It was like more of a customer success role, which is not a good fit for me. I, yeah, I'm more of like a thrill of the kill kind of girl. Um, but, uh, but I was there and they had to stand up and do some presentation of a new product. And I started doing it um, like in front of all of our executive team. Mm. And I got up there and I was all jazzed up and I'm doing the demonstration and I was doing it through teaching because I do everything through teaching. And so I'm in this job I hate and all of a sudden it occurs to me like, and I didn't even know, I had never had a sales trainer. So I was like, is that a job? Like, is that something people do? And I was, I thought it was great that I could take out all the other pieces of sales management and just focus on the piece that I loved, which is developing and coaching people. Um, and the only place I could think of where you could do that was Xerox. Um, it was the only place I ever heard that I had sales training. So I went that route and I did sales training for Xerox and then you know, over to Konica, I loved it. I loved being a sales trainer. Um, but I also missed selling myself. I missed selling and I missed commission checks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and um, so I was always kind of going back and forth. Like as a sales trainer, I was a field junkie. I just would jump in the car all the time because I wanted to be out there closing deals and being in meetings and meeting with clients. I didn't want to be in the classroom. So I just kind of bumbled between the two and couldn't really choose. And then I read Gap Selling. And I just was like, this is everything that I have been trying to teach people, but it is presented in a way where they can actually execute. And I started putting the book in people's hands at my organization when I was at Konica. And the turnaround of reps, like the speed at which they changed their behavior and started to get results I wasn't able to achieve that in everything I had been teaching. I'd been teaching kind of challenger sales stuff and I'd never been able to achieve that. Like within three months, they were, they were better. They were getting better results, like the measurable better results. And I was just like, this is insane, but I knew I wasn't teaching it completely. Right. It's kind of yeah. hard to yeah. teach unless you have to be a master of it yourself. It's hard to teach gap selling. And I started to connect with Keenan and then I saw that he had a job opening for like a sales rep that was like nine months old. It wasn't even an active listening listing and going back to what we were speaking to, I just went, you know, I just raised my hand and I was like, you're hiring a sales rep. And he's like, and we knew each other by this point. We've corresponded quite a bit online on LinkedIn. And he was like, you want to go be a sales person? Right. Cause I had like this executive role with this huge company and I was like, and I was like, isn't that what we all are? Like, I'm like for you, like to sell this and bring this to the sales world that I love so much. Yes. And, um, and so that's how it happened. Like th I was literally in love with my job. And three weeks later I was, you know, working for Keenan, selling for Keenan and, uh, and at some point I'll transition into doing some training, but now I've caught the bug again. And honestly, James, I might just, I might just keep selling because I'm having the best time and I'm learning so much. 
Um, so it's just been an incredible journey and, and, you know, my calls are all recorded and to have someone like Keenan jumping on your calls and coaching you, I've grown more as a sales professional in the last six months than I have probably my entire career. And that's really what it's all about, right? I mean, that's really kind of the best part about any role is that opportunity to really make those kind of massive gains in knowledge because, you know, the mm -hmm. first the knowledge and then the money comes, right? Because then you go apply that knowledge and, and, and do your thing with it. But um, I love that and, and love kind of the story of how you got there and everything that you're doing with Keenan. And um, as, as we're getting close to the end here, um, what is it? What, what's just a quick sales tip you would give the audience that they can use when they're done listening to the episode here? Um, I guess if I had one message for salespeople, you know, it's that deals really are won and lost in discovery. And so that should be where all of your focus is. Forget about the pitch, forget about being a great closer and just get like super nasty <laughs> in discovery, <laughs> you know, and to do that, you have to understand that there's one question that a client needs to be able to answer at the end of your discovery. And that is, is the decision, like, is the pain of change smaller or bigger than the pain I'm feeling today? And so all of your discovery questions and the information that you collect about their current state, their problems, the business impact, the root cause are all designed to help them answer that question, right? How big is the pain of change, whether it's financial, um, time, right? Like whatever emotional, all of yep. that yep. fear that's there, is it bigger or smaller than, than the pain of what I'm feeling today? Your discovery needs to answer that question for them. Boom. I love it. And I have to ask you the same question. I ask everybody that comes on the lunch break podcast, Rachel, what's your favorite place to eat lunch? Well, I live in Sacramento and we do not have, unlike the East coast, a lot of great like cultural ethnic food. Um, and there is this amazing Jewish deli called Solomon's downtown that has opened. And I, um, am kind of a junkie for their pastrami. <laughs> I love it. That's a great answer, and um, <laughs> probably a first uh, for the, for the podcast. So, Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I really appreciate it. Um, and I'll put all of the links so people can get in touch with you in the notes for the show. Uh, and with that, I'm going to wrap up episode 59 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Speak to you soon.